folks, and welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian German, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. We're making our way through the book of Genesis, and the first thing is first, and that is you're still listening after that Table of Nations talk in the last podcast. That's right. Genesis 10 was last time, Table of Nations. We did a whole podcast on that, and uh, we're going to go Tower of Babel this time, Babel, Babel, Tomato, Tomato, uh, and also this intro into Abram. This is a very big moment in the book of Genesis, very big in the history of the world, Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. I suppose you can divide Genesis as a whole into two sections. If you wanted to, you could look at chapters 1 to 11 as sort of your, that's a huge, it covers thousands of years. We're talking uh, cosmic stuff, creation, flood. We got one language of the whole earth here in chapter 11. Uh, But then the rest of the chapters of Genesis, as soon as you get to chapter 12, uh, all the way to 50, we're talking just one family, not thousands of years, a couple hundred years. Uh, Abe and his family, his household, we're going to focus in on, and that's not, I mean, that's just one particular area of the, of the world. And so it's a very big switch here. This is kind of, and that is to say chapter 11 is, is climactic of sorts in that this is what humanity does at a global scale, uh, when left to their own devices, this is the end Goal the end project. Uh, this is what you're all after, apart from the one to come from Eve and Shem. Here we'll talk about the one to come, uh, the promised one to come. Apart from that, the works done will be some sort of works righteousness, trying to make our way up to the heavenly places. There are only two religions, I've probably said, two ways, way of life, way of death, two religions, some of the dogmaticians have said, religion, religions of, the, of works and the religion of the gospel. That is, there's one way that focuses on Christ. There's another that will in some way, shape, or form earn your way into a better place after this life based on your own works. That's really... What it comes down to, we're going to see that in a dramatic way with the Tower of Babel. We're first told that the whole earth had one language and the same words. Now, I talked about the Table of Nations. Hey, wait a minute. We already know different nations and different languages even were referenced in that previous chapter. What's up with that? Well, this is another one of these reminders that the book of Genesis doesn't play by the rules. When it gives a gene- genealogy, for example, we saw this in in what? In last chapter. It doesn't always give it in the order you think. In Genesis 10, who was first of Noah's sons? Japheth. Well, all the other lists have Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Japheth is always third, and you get to chapter 10, he's listed first. Uh, and by the way, Chronicles chapter 1 has him first as well. Now, why is that? Well, Japheth has been, as we talked about in chapter 9, grafted in. The last will become first. I think that's great. I think it's brilliant. And that's the whole... now. So then right away, now there are lots of other instances of where a genealogy doesn't play by the rules. Chapter 9 is another one where Noah has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and then from all these are dispersed the people of the earth. And then you get an account of the weird, you know, the nakedness and the covering of the garment and all that. 
and Ham declares it and is is then cursed because of his actions. What is a Canaanite? A Canaanite is not just strictly speaking the the biological ethnic descent uh, Canaanite, but it's the one who uh, rejects the one to come through Shem, the one who wants nothing to do with the promised Messiah, the one who ridicules God's people, the one who acts like Shem. That's a true Canaanite. So there's a there's a very different kind of genealogy going on here in Genesis, and uh, we also have a different order. So chapter 11, the whole earth had the same words. No, uh-uh, that, that's out of chronological order. And yet there's something bigger and more important going on than just historical order. Um, and that's the, the, the issue of how do you stand in relation to the promised one to come. Now chapter 11 is going to give you an account of this is what happens when humanity is left to its own devices. You have one language and the same words, which by the way is a lot of emphasis, isn't it? Isn't one language the same thing as the same words? Speech. The faculty of speech has been huge in Genesis. Think of the fall. Eve has a conversation. They talk about words, what was said. Did God say, let's talk about what was said, words, and so on. And then how does it go? It goes from from speech to sight. She just looks, she stops talking. The serpent stops talking. She stops talking. She now relies on sight. Um, this is, uh, and then you hear again, uh, what Ham, just to bring to mind some recent stuff, Ham again sees Noah's nakedness and then he, and then he speaks. What happens when sight runs the show? We walk by faith, not by sight. What happens when sight runs the show? Here's what happens when corrupt speech runs the show. Language is a powerful thing. The faculty of speech, um, think James 3, the tongue is full of poison, a deadly evil. It will tear things up. It has a very creative effect. Of course, God created the world by speaking. And so when you speak, it ha- albeit much uh, at a much lower level, it's able to create... Um, pictures of a a reputation of a person. Hey, did you see how terrible that person is? You can construct a false reputation. You can create a false reputation for somebody. You can can destroy marriages. You can destroy families, relationships. You can go to war. (laughs) Luther would say that what happens here in the Tower of Babel account is actually worse than the flood because to this day, the effect of this confusion of language has caused all sorts of has has caused a lot more death through you know, wars, uh, nations against nations, um, and so on than the flood ever did. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but nonetheless, the emphasis here on speech. This is going to be big. Of course, we have in the Holy Spirit and Pentecost. We have we're together. We have one language, one voice. Even if you have different nations in Revelation, different languages and tribes in Revelation 7, they're all praising God, saying the same thing. They're saying salvation belongs to the to our God and to the Lamb who sits on his throne. This is, how can different nations and tribes say the same thing? That's the one language that's most important. Now, what happens if, if we just have the whole earth, one language, same words, and we do what we want? Well, people migrate from the east, which, oh dear, People coming in from the east always causing problems. 
um, other nations, uh, border on the east, Assyria, Babylon, the big bullies for Israel are going to come in from the east. Lots of problems come in from the east. Not all bad things. Like, what do you got? Wise men, magi. Um, but you have this sort of, okay, people come in from the east. Why are we not told exactly who these people are? Well, this is just the kind of pattern in the Bible. Genesis does this often where it kind of evokes a bigger pattern already. They're coming in from the east. They find a plain in the land of Shinar. We'll we'll hear more about Shinar. Uh, We already heard about it in chapter 10. We'll hear a little bit more about it uh, as we go along. But nonetheless, we're in this, this region here where they settle. So they're on the move, and they're settling. Right away in Genesis, the ones who are living by faith, I think we talked about this, they're living in tents. They're tent dwellers. Abe has tents. Uh, Esau is on ESPN's World Strongman, but Jacob is dwelling in tents. Um, where's Noah's tent? And he's naked in the tent. And, you know, all this emphasis on the tent. Who's building the cities? Well, we these people here in chapter 11, the ones building the cities are the ones that think that this is this is all there is. But God's people dwell in tents. They know that heaven is their home. This is Paul. I think Philippians and so on, our citizenship is in heaven. If you want a city, our citizenship is in heaven. And, uh, of course, our Lord himself, this is Christianity in Genesis, right? Our Lord himself tabernacles, tents in the flesh. And so this is the, when you see settling and city building, oh boy. They said to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. Now notice how they speak first. Is that to say anything? They speak first to each other. Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. So we have this, uh, let, this is a group project. This is what happens with the corruption of, of the world at a global level. We use speech to bind ourselves together. So speak the way we speak. Does this sound familiar? We use language to strengthen relationships to one another. This is how we talk about this, right? These are the terms that are acceptable, that are politically correct. Does it sound familiar? This is the language that you are allowed to use. Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. The emphasis on on the building material. This is top-notch stuff, bricks and mortar. The physical things of this creation, also that this is, what, representative of the best that we're able to come up with. This is what we're making. This is what we're burning. This is what we're using to build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the he- with its top in the heavens. And this is what we're using to make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Notice again, they use speech to come together here. Come, let us do this. Come, let us do this. We're going to build a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. So in the Hebrew, the word for top is the same one for uh, beginning. Genesis is a story about beginnings in the beginning, in the person who is the beginning. But then we also have this I will crush your beginning, the promise to see to Eve, the seed who will crush your head, same word for beginning there, I will crush your beginning. Here we have, let's get our beginnings in the heavens. Well, if you want 
to get back to the good old days and have your beginning all over again in the heavenly places, this is not how you do it. That's why this attempt is an attempt to climb the ladder to heaven. In some way, shape, or form, everybody apart from Christ is trying to do this. Let's build ourselves a city. <laughs> Luther would remark about the house building in his day. It's like the way Luther would say, the way people are building houses these days, you think they're planning on living in them forever. And I suppose every age could say, say a similar thing, couldn't we? Let's build ourselves a city with a tower, tops in the heavens. Let us make a Shem for ourselves. This is the play on Shem is the one through whom the Messiah will come. And after this account, we get Shem's descendants. We'll talk about them. But this is the word, just like Rosh, the word for beginning, is the, the word for top here and is used in Genesis we have a, a tale of two beginnings, the beginning in Christ, the one who is the beginning, or your own kind of, I want to start fresh. I'll, ha- I'll make my own beginnings. I'll make my own beginning in the heavens. And let us also make a name for ourselves. If you disregard the one through whom uh, the Messiah will come, Shem, Shem, whose name means name, Shame means name, Let's make a Shem for ourselves. You will find, if you don't want a name or an identity in the one who has been given the name above all names, the one in whom uh, we have our identity, the one uh, that is most central to who we are, then you will construct a false Shem, a false name, a false identity, that's the only the only two options out there. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now, this is exactly what happens, of course, down the road. The Lord will see and then disperse. And uh, so the project is, is going to be a failure. The Lord comes down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. So no matter how much you're climbing, the Lord comes down to see it. Now, this is a huge uh, huge deal also for just the nature and character of God. What kind of God in the Bible are we working with? We are working with a God who can come down. Is he more present in some places than others? You got that right with the sacraments. Here's, here's body and blood physically, tangibly located in a particular time and place. God is present everywhere, but where is he present in a particular unique way? Well, in his house, so Solomon will say in 1 Kings 8, in word and sacrament, so we see all throughout the New Testament, the Lord comes down, so the, your attempts are not even close, and the Lord, uh, I'm pretty sure he can just scatter this from where he is, but he comes down. I don't suppose he have to do that, but he comes down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. Notice the language there. Who are these people? The children of man. This is just what happens. Humanity does this. And by the way, the building is, you know, we build the, the Lord built Eve from the side. Noah built an ark. But this is what we do with our own building attempts. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people. They have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. Now, this is a fascinating thing, isn't it? All the focus on speech. Speech, speech, speech. Why not just, you know, just bust that up? That tower, you know, missile launcher, whatever it is. 
but he goes after the language. And this is huge for speech. This is huge for the word. Um, as Christians, we rely on this word to bring us into the proper relationship with the word made flesh. And if you don't want anything to do with that word, your word will corrupt. Your word will divide. Your word will cause strife and contention. It will slander. It will divide. It will separate. Sin separates. It will cut off relationships. Come, let us go down there. Notice how he speaks, let us. Who's the us, by the way, right? Sounds like let us make man in our image, right? Sounds like we have this singular God who's also plural in some way, okay? Come, let us go down there. This is exactly what the people said, right? Come, let us make. Come, let us build. And uh, here's this come, let us go down there and confuse their language. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. And they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them from over the face of all the earth. The Lord did this right from the spot where they, where they attempted this, right in the very midst of the, the activity of, of uh, works righteousness, building a tower on our own accord, trying to reach heavenly places. That is exactly where the Lord confuse it. Notice the irony. They get a name after all. We want a name for ourselves. Oh, you'll get you'll get a name. And it's called Babel, which is, yeah, just Babel. It's just, it's confusion. It's separation. Work and word apart from the work and the word of God in Christ will lead to confusion, division, animosity, enmity, dispersion, isolation, namelessness, uh, lack of identity, confu- I mean this, the uh, isolation and confusion that we experience, anxiety, loneliness, depression, right? These are the sorts of, of fruits that come from this. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is the situation that is unified in a most dramatic way in Pentecost, when the Lord sends the Spirit who brings about the one language, the one Christian language, this is Christianity in Genesis, right? Who brings about that one voice, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who with his one Spirit brings about that one proclamation read throughout Revelation, salvation belongs to the Lamb and to the Word made flesh, the one in whom we have our name and our identity, the one who has built us a place in the heavenly places, an inheritance in the heavenly realms, a city, you could say, coming down the great Jerusalem like a bride adorned for her husband, and so on. Lots of good stuff here, lots of good stuff to come still. In chapter 11, we are overdue for a break. We'll be right back. We'll be back in just a moment to the Concordia Bible Institute podcast. In the meantime, I'd like to have you consider this question. What is most important in higher education? How do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning? Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. We believe that God works through our vocations, 
our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from our Christ in Every Word podcast, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the Contribute page. And now, back to the podcast. Alrighty there, folks. We are back with our study of Genesis chapter 11, Tower of Babel, or Babel. I remember reading this in church once early on. I was a seminarian. I was all nervous about how I was going to pronounce this. Um, you just say it with confidence. There you go. I mean, well, this is, we're in English, right? So we're already one step removed from the from the original. Uh, it's an amazing thing. So you want nothing to do with, with Shem. This is a result. has implications for all times and places. Again, as mentioned, about identity and about the name and about uh, the uh, inadequacy of works righteousness and also the religiosity of humanity, the fact that we're after. We recognize this business. There's, there's something that transcends us and that we're going to need to be on good terms with. Maybe we could earn it. And yet that is always going to be a, a project doomed to fail. And so I love how this, again, the genealogy thing is much more than just a genealogy in Genesis. Right after this, we go to Shem's descendants. Now, this is the sort of thing, if you want your, if you want your, uh, what, y- y- your name in the heavenly places, again, think, tau- let's make something with its top in the heavens. If you want your name in heavenly places, Here's how you do it. It is built in a built up on, founded upon, built in, uh, in with and under the one to come through Shem. And so you're going to see that in this genealogy that follows immediately. You want your top in the heavens. Well, get in this genealogy by faith. These are the generations of Shem. And then we have this. Uh, the ones he fathered, and then we're going to run this line down. You can see here verses 12 to 26. Now, a few points here. One, um, Eber, you get a couple uh, verses down. You see Eber there in verse 16. This is big. He's going to be an ancestor of the Hebrews, the people of Israel. Eber itself, remember all these names uh, have awesome significance and just Eber I'm thinking about here passing over or crossing over is the root Hebrew word there of course that's awesome God's people Israel I mean they're just ah they they've been drawn out that's for sure they pass over of course the the Red Sea uh, but they also have their they've been drawn out and you know from the land of Babylon they've been this is just they're defined by a bunch of exoduses God's people. And um, that's just, of course, Jesus as well. God's people, the Christian faith, is one of exoduses. You're drawn out 
of sin, death, and the devil in baptism. At the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah are talking about the exodus of Jesus and so on. So Ever or Eber um, is an ancestor of the, the people of Israel. And I'm just reading here in this study note, this fancy study note, Eber could have actually outlived Abraham if there were no gaps in the genealogies. Now that's interesting. Uh, some overlap there. Whatever you make of that, Luther's big on the fact that the office of the holy ministry is always preserved throughout all of this. These are all pastors. They're preachers. They're well-known proclaimers of the gospel across the globe. And that's always, and he had other sons and daughters. You know, the wives bother some people, like Noah's mentioned, but then it's his sons before his wife and then their wives. Um, there's always an office. There's always a, a, a succession of that office a continuation of it, and there's always a, a, a bride as well, the churchly realm, confessing that gospel. When you get down to Terah, this is where we get our boy Abram. Terah lived 70. He fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Abram's name means uh, exalted father. Av is father, and Ram is like many or much or, or a high, exalted, lifted up father. Uh, and you see his brothers there. Now, this is an interesting little... We get now at the end of 11. We should close here with Terah's descendants. So we're going to focus in on Terah because that's uh, father of Abe. These are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Yeah, you already told us. But now it's... Okay, something more specific is going on here. Haran fathers Lot. Haran dies in the presence of his father Terah. In the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. So already we're learning something about Lot. Now, why is this so important? Lot is going to be, as we see, I'm getting ahead of myself, but as, as myself, as we go into Genesis, Lot will be grafted in to God's holy people. It's a fascinating thing. We'll talk more about this as we go along, but Lot's father died. He's going to need to be, what, he's a stranger, alien, orphan to the covenant, and yet he's going to be grafted into God's people through Abe. Abe and Nahor both get married. You see there's Sarai. Oh, boy. We'll have lots to say about her. And then Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah. And Sarah was barren. She had no child. Right away we see this, wait a minute, God's special people we're going to see coming through Abe, but Sarah's barren. And this is just already, this is the Virgin Mary. This is why all the barren women in the Bible, this is God's church. The miraculous conceptions throughout the Old Testament having to do with the miraculous conception. The fact that God's church, barren, cut off, well, in fleshly terms, yeah. But that's because you're not earning this spot in the church of God's holy people by the works of the flesh. But it's coming by faith. And so when you read Galatians 4, you're going to see, well, you know, we have two different covenants going on here. We have one barren woman and one prosperous woman, but it's the exact opposite. The one that's barren, the 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 one that's uh, the free woman, the one that is uh, salvation by faith is what you're going to see again and again in the book of Genesis. It starts with Sarah. Well, it goes all the way back to Eve, really. But you get this emphasis on being barren really starts with uh, with Sarah. She had no child. Notice it's repeated. That's what it means to be barren, but she, she had no child. It's emphasized God's going to do something through this barrenness that's key to what it means to be a Christian, um, to be grafted in 
to God's holy people by faith in Christ, himself born uh, by means of a miraculous conception. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they got to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and then Terah died in Haran. Notice, fascinating, I'll just stop with this, and that is Abe is already on a journey to Canaan before we learn that Abe is on a journey to Canaan. And that is because his father sets out wanting to go there, but the biggest difference with Abe's father is that there's no promise attached there, as we see in the next chapter. We're getting ahead of ourselves in chapter 12. We'll talk about that in the next podcast. But without the word of God, how far can you go? It'll come up short. He ends up dying. Everything is on hold there in Haran. They make it like halfway, and that's that. But Abe gets called, and he gets, you're going to go to Canaan, Abe, but this is a much bigger journey than just going to a physical land. We're talking about a promised land here, promised land of promised lands. And that we'll talk about next time, but that is exactly the the tie-in to Christianity here. The promised land of Canaan, it never was about the physical land the whole time. There was a much better promised land at stake, and you already see that kind of signified here at the end of chapter 11. Abe's dad, and they were going kind of on their own way to get there, but there's there's a much better land. Even Moses himself can't even go in that land, right, at the end of Deuteronomy. It's this whole trip, this whole thing through the wilderness, this whole journey, Abe, that you went on with your dad, and even the one that you're going on when I tell you to go there, it's a much greater promised land the whole time, the promised land that we have in Christ by grace through faith. Lots of good stuff here in chapter 11. Lots more to come. Stay tuned. We'll keep going on that Christianity and Genesis theme next time with chapter 12. Tell your friends that they too can learn more about God's Word with us. The mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. Again, if you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting the Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on our Contribute page. Until next time, my friends, I'm Dr. Brian German, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.